talk about right now we came here for this part right here and there's a specific reason why you guys got to be the superheroes for this actual segment right here which is we're going to talk about a movie that just came out which is uh black panther 2 wakanda forever uh me and jt and jamel already kind of said our points so i'm going to try to limit my my opinion as much as uh, as much as possible uh at the very end of the uh as we do our breakdown we actually do a rating system um and i will be able to explain to that rating system a little bit later but with that we start off this movie for black panther and for wakanda forever uh shirty is trying to hurry up and make is that correct i shit. It's Tolokan, something like that. Uh, I've been trying to practice and learn it, man. So it's okay. It got me excited to fucking learn it. Um, but Shuri is making a synthetic actual heart-shaped herb to t- uh, save uh, T'Challa. T'Challa is supposed to have a deadly disease. And um, they're trying their best to actually save them. Um, ultimately, it leads to the demise of actually uh, T'Challa. So... I'm going to only talk about this point right here. Um, and then the rest, I'm going to let y'all take, take lead on that. When we look at that actual, uh, that scene, as a person who has lost many family members, I definitely felt like that was a, a point in the movie where that needed to be seen. No matter what, usually you always see the demise of the person and there's this like poetic way of kind of like holding a hand of the person as they go. But you never really get to see a person. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I keep this person alive. And then that person still dies while I'm doing the thing that I can um, or not enough time. Now, arguably, you could talk about John Q and stuff like that, but not in this capacity. So what was your mindset when you first walked into this movie? And that's the beginning scene. Um, let's go with uh, let's go with Jose because we, we uh, he hasn't talked for a bit. So I'm going to go with my man, Jose. Is that OK? That's yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so go ahead, man. All right. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty powerful start to the, uh, to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, felt some, some type of way about Chadwick Boseman, you know, whether they experienced him as, um, as, as T'Challa or, uh, you know, any other films that he's been in. It, it was, uh, Marshall, uh, what was his name? Third uh, Marshall. Other films. Marshall, yeah. and, and Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, there's so many films that he's been in. But you now to see honestly, I mean, this goes into the into the way that I feel about um 
the more being, you know, of of Latin descent, right? Like you just you just have this stronger connection that people who might, you know, not see themselves in a character might not understand necessarily. So you see this huge connection that, that he had with people as black there. And um, I do think it was a great tribute. I was wondering how they were going to do it. I was wondering, like, how are they going to connect real life death to, um, you know, to the death of T'Challa? And I think there's, it was a good way to do it. I think even media otherwise, I don't know if you have seen, um, it was a, a old sitcom called Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. So um, it was uh, Jim Belushi had died in real life. And I think I was about like 10 years old when I saw that. And, uh, you know, he died in real life. But then in the in the show, they had a whole funeral for him. And it's just, honestly, it's powerful to that type of tribute um, in the, you know, in the, uh, fictitious sense for a real life person. Uh, so I think it was great. Um, especially even, you know, we'll get to it, I'm sure, but the end to the tribute at the end just got me in my heart. That was like, it was powerful. Um, so I think the whole tribute, uh, really the whole film was a tribute to Chadwick Boseman's life. And I think they did, did a great job on it. Um, so, <clears throat> My uh, Tammy. Now we we get led up to uh, a scene right after that. Uh, we get the actual opening credit scene where they show the Marvel uh, symbol and it has a logo for Tyra Bozeman. And that's not discrediting that because just like how uh, Rodriguez says, this whole thing is a tribute to Chadwick Boseman indirectly. And then we later on get led up to meeting uh, the rest of Wakanda because of the fact that they do the funeral ceremony. And inside of the funeral ceremony, it was, I'm going to ask you, what was your personal interpretation? Because like when I watched that, I felt like, man, that was a fucking beautiful, amazing scene. Like... If I'm going to go, that's the way that I kind of want to see everybody go for me. You know, (laughs) so So, go ahead. uh, I'm not here to like plug my comic or anything, but I am working on a webtoon that is heavily centered around African uh, traditional religion. And when I saw the funeral scene in Wakanda Forever, I, uh, I I got really excited because I recognized so much of that stuff from my research. Uh, and they managed to implement several different cultures and, and uh, different African traditional religions into that ceremony. And uh, the, like such as wearing white to a funeral, uh, white is supposed to symbolize a closeness to the spirit world. And uh, in Shuri's uh, veil, you'll see a little heart shaped clover little symbol. And that's actually called uh, Naomi. Sorry, I might mispronounce this. Actually, it's Naomi Dua and it means God's protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is from it is an Adrinka symbol that is uh, heavily uh, celebrated in Ghanan culture. And you'll see that the dances that they do, everything is a little piece of Africa brought to this celebration of life. 
because, you know, as you'll find uh, through some research, Africa doesn't see death the same way that Westerners do. And I think a part of that also ties in with the fact that uh, Wakanda in their canon was never colonized uh, either by the Catholics or the Portuguese or Christian missionaries. And so their relationship with death and the way that they grieve is vastly different from what we might see uh, had they had those experiences and had their culture stripped from them. Um, and I think that it's beautiful because the, the film is focusing not on how he died, but on the people who are left behind in the wake of his death and, uh, how his relationship with Shuri uh, not only built her up to be who she is, uh, but how his love for her uh, influenced her decisions at the end of the film. And uh, she, she didn't want to be diplomatic and noble like him, but she wanted to be wise. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's what she chose to do. Yeah. So um, going into that, um, Jose, we we later on see the actual drill uh, that actually goes into finding vibranium. Apparently, they look all over the world for this uh, this vibranium. Now, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna skip this scene, and the reason being is because of the fact that I feel like that's a cliche scene. Yes, we we know we got this drill, and come to find out the there's a, the scientists are looking for vibranium. It's at the bottom of the ocean. Cool. Fair. Fine. And um, the most important about that scene was about the drill. And the drill was be uh, being built by a teenage girl who was named Riri Ironheart. Um, and she went to MIT. A lot of this film felt like it was following after the the footsteps of Tony Stark. Um, and I'm going to ask you more of a comic book nerd question because the fact of like, I think you've listened to this podcast on this part, but also on top of that, um, I, I want to give you this question. And it's not saying that like Jose or Tammy doesn't like geek out. So I'm going to... Yeah, we are geeks here. So I'm skipping the part. I'm skipping the part because of the fact that I feel like... Um, it's important about the drill, but it's also kind of important about the UN speech. And I, I, I want to go back to Tammy when he comes to the UN in speech. Thank you. I have so much to say. Gotcha. <laughs> I really want to go back to that. Like, uh, <laughs> so with that, a lot of these films felt like it's been plagued by Captain America and Iron Man. And I will feel like, I feel like this movie suffered because of this. Black Panther did a great job because of the fact that it kind of erased the idea that civil war happened. Like we know that civil war was a thing. Obviously the dad died. Right. But Chadwick Boseman, I guess T'Challa did not talk about the war between these two entities, which is Iron Man and Captain America. That was not mentioned in that. Like Iron Man's situation was Iron Man's situation. And so now with this one, we have Riri Ironheart that's essentially doing everything that Iron Man did without having to have met Tony Stark. Do you feel like for me, it felt like it was a problem because of the fact of we 
we don't have this girl having her own black identity. And like, I get it in the comic books. Mm. She looked up to him. She was an intern for him. But this is a moment where he died. Right. And if we're going to change a lot of things, then why was this part uh, not changed about it? We had her with a suit. She made it out of scraps the same way that Tony Stark made it when he was an Iron Man suit. She had to run away with the actual suit the same way Tony Stark had to with the actual 10 rings. She even uh, couldn't breathe in thin air like Tony Stark could <laughs> with his first suit. So do you feel like that hurt the actual storyline or did you feel like that actually contributed or just didn't matter? So that's my question for you. Uh, in, in that case, yeah, but like I like Riri. I always uh, enjoyed that character. Uh, but yeah, she, I mean, you can't, you can't say that Riri has taken so much inspiration from Iron Man that that whole scene of the escape, everything she did was a nod to Iron Man and Tony Stark. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. To me, it didn't take away anything. It it just added a little like, oh, like the whole time I watched that scene, I was like, oh shit, that's what Iron Man, that's what Tony did. Oh shit, Tony did the exact same thing, you know? I was excited to see that one. Iron Man is one of my favorite superhero in the Marvel Universe, right? Mm -hmm. So for me to see that displayed through Riri, it had me giddy, man. Like, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I was like, I can't wait to see the full suit. Like, I was so excited to see that. And just the way she made the suit and everything, all the the little nods to him, you know, the the heart that that's displayed on on the the, the Mark one, like the, the whole going up and not being able to breathe thing. I was like, I'm not sure it was just like in my mind a, a nice nod to, to Tony. Yeah, I know that, it was, that you know, it, it's somewhat played out, but, you know, Tony's, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man is a big part of the, the creation of the MCU, right? And as we know, he did die. So they're, they're trying to instill this new hope uh, to the new generation that's going to grow up with these next couple of you know, arcs of, of MCU films. Sure. And, and the, 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 that was a great way for any little girl, that, you know, any little girl of color, especially the black girls, seeing that, I feel like they were going through the same thing I did when I first saw the first Iron Man movie. Like, just seeing him go through all that and do all that was one of the main reasons I enjoyed watching all the Iron Mans, and I could still rewatch them and enjoy them. And this, I feel, will be the staple for those little girls going on into the future with these next iteration of movies that are coming out with her as the main Iron Man. They're going to be all like, oh, she was awesome and we're kind of proud and now she's going to have her own TV series. Uh, then she might get in future movies. And, and I feel like all those little aspects of that nod to Tony are going to add to the next generation of kids who are watching these. Even little boys, man. Little boys watching there are going to be like, that's fucking cool, right? And it's like, I don't think it took away anything. I think it added a little something that, honestly, I'm going to say this right now, that Riri, as a, as a character, didn't necessarily need to be in the movie. Let me rephrase that. 
their absence from the movie wouldn't have diminished from the story, but I love that they added her to it. Because yeah, yeah. it, it gives us something a little different, but something that's new. Uh, that's going to give us something to look forward to. Because the Iron Man character is something that I love. And if, you know, we're, we're humans. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is run by regular people, right? We get old. We're going to get to a point where we can't keep doing that shit. Let's look at freaking uh, Hugh Jackman. He's already getting old, you know what I'm saying? And, and as much as I love him as Wolverine, I know he's not going to be able to play that role forever, right? we got to pass the mantle on to somebody else. Yes. And, and in the same thing, uh, Robert Downey Jr., he's old now too, right? He's, he's hitting a point where he's not going to be able to keep doing these movies in that capacity. So let's pass on the mantle and why not do it in an homage to him by having a new character relive that intro scene that he did in the first Iron Man, right? Yeah. I was like, I love that nod to him that they did with it. So I, I understand that it probably didn't click right with a lot of people, but for me, it made me it made me love that movie even more, right? All the re scenes were just fucking amazing. I loved them. And you know, that, that's where I'm at with that. Like, I I just love that whole iteration of it. Okay, so <laughs> Ramona takes over uh, the, um, Wakanda uh, in replacement of as T'Challa as well as also Shuri. She is technically still the queen mother. Uh, and she and um and she's the queen when they both leave uh, because they got snapped. So I'm going to ask you two quick questions on this. And then, um, Jose, I'm going to ask you a question about the first introduction of the, uh, the Talokans. Um, so the queen mother, uh, goes to the UN and it seems like they almost like they were like, trying to big balls her and be like, nah, yeah. you're going to give me, you're going to give me this vibranium homie. They, <laughs> They, My notes have a fat paragraph about this. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to get your first initial reaction on that. Like, what was your like your thoughts when you first seen that scene where she walks in the UN and they have her center stage basically to respond to U.S. and France's questions about the vibranium? Me? Yes, you. you. Okay. Um, so... I, I was absolutely shook to find that the uh, the theft was going on, like the way that they staged it. I thought it was happening at the same time, but then they dragged them boys in and she made them kneel. I was like, damn, she trained them fast. Like no resistance. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> learned so, um, fucking, uh, was it, uh, they spoke French and they spoke Escosa to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then we, uh, the actress um, who plays um, T'Challa's lover, uh, I forgot her name. I'm so terrible. But uh, she was actually born in uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, she was born in Mexico. Yeah, she uh, she, yeah. she was born in Mexico to Kenyan parents, so she like naturally speaks Spanish, and I thought that was amazing. Yes. So she finally got Impeccable. to flex that in a movie. Um, 
Okay, so seeing that scene uh, play out in the fashion that it did, I thought was very cinematic and it was very masterful. Uh, it it shows how the director, um, Ryan Coogler, it, how he understands his craft. He he understands the art of storytelling and he rewards your, your anticipation with a satisfying... Uh, I want to say like a satisfying crunch because the way she she just kept her cool instead of rubbing it in their faces because it you know while many people focus on the anti-colonizer aspect in the movie the the film is relying on the audience's racial literacy to see that these world powers are willing to exploit black bodies overseas and within their borders to gain control of a power that they they don't respect and and frankly don't deserve and uh you can see see them trying to strong arm her they're like um you need to start trading vibranium with us and she's like you need to deserve to have some vibranium uh as history will recall and uh i think it's important that anyone who's interested in learning about african history uh, freaking go do so because uh africa pre-colonized africa was queer as hell and uh, predominantly a matriarch. And I, I suggest starting with Queen Nzinga and work your way to uh, the Mojaji and Lepopo Providence <laughs> because queer and powerful. Um, but I think uh, Riri Williams' uh, professor uh, even told her like, oh yeah, this, this won't work. It's not feasible. But then he turned around and sold her project to the U.S. government and they knew that he stole it. You know what I mean? And, and that that speaks very much about how this isn't like new to us. It, it just kind of happened and we skid past it. Wait, wait, wait. You got to take a pause or rewind that back because that is yeah. something that they did not emphasize on is the fact that that's what I'm saying. they did not yeah. emphasize on that. I, you know, the sad thing is I do remember her saying it. I made it as like an eight grade project yeah. uh, because she was a fan yeah. of them. So yeah. yeah, that that should be so a rewind this, moment there. I'm so sorry, I apologize. Go ahead. No, you're totally fine, and and I love that. Um, but it, it's it's it happens in history so often, especially in U.S. history, where uh, it heavily reflects how Black and Indigenous women have been relegated to secondary or non-existent roles in history, and this minimizes the BIPOC community's impact on history and preserves white body supremacy and their image as the gatekeepers of truth and justice. Uh, but it also makes history more palatable to the white bodies that benefit from it, and this is why seeing such a deep reaction from the white critics of the film is also important because I'm, I guarantee you they're so focused on the, Oh, they're just making a movie about how much we hate white people. And, da, da, da. Uh, and, and they're completely missing the, the real world elements that are at play in this film. Um, and, and it's not being treated as, you know, like a fantasy or a sci-fi it's, it's just, they treat it as if this is happening in their universe. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, now, Rodriguez, I'm going to ask you this question, man. We get introduced to the Talokan. We, and I'm not even going to 
like yeah stop it stop stop you, you know I, I get it we get it we we've been playing out for a while I get it I get it <laughs> it looks like I'm blocking you I'm blocking from your fucking Hadouken <laughs> right now you better back that up <laughs> I'm blocking full 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 talking about the so many reasons now though. The Hadouken and the Kamehameha and now for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. There are a bunch of anime influences in this movie. I don't know if you noticed, but Riri's uh, Iron Man suit, or Iron Heart suit, uh, it is the same candy red as the motorcycle from Akira. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. that was one of the things that me and Jamel and JT, I, I didn't like the suit. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like the suit. That's fair. And the reason why I didn't like the suit, because it looked like the robot from Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely giving like some kind of Gundam. It gave um, like a Betamax kind of fucking feel to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it definitely That's felt like that. I felt like. Wait, wait, repeat that. What you was going to say? Uh, Jose? I love the first iteration of the suit that she had in the, in the warehouse. It gave me a feel of uh, the alien suit. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt like the Avatar. Movie. It felt like Avatar. <laughs> like you go to like. That's why I loved it, right? It was so basic, but it did so much. Yeah. But then, yeah, I had I didn't enjoy the secondary, the Moxie thing that she did. But, you know, I was like, it's it's the first iteration. As, as it goes on, it's going to look and be more better. Nah, bro. So, yeah, but it, it, I felt like I depreciated Tony Stark, though, man, because I felt like. I felt like, man, that was definitely some fucking like uh, family dollar uh, Power Ranger off bread toy that we got there. Like, (laughs) and so I was like, bro, for real, out of all the things, you see the comic book material. We are like, 20 years into MCU now, you mean to tell me that you yeah. couldn't make a suit where this girl looked like she's uh, uh, she's reenacting a Transformer uh, like know. costume? You, ever, you know those Transformer costumes that they actually transform into the box? I'm just asking for like something that doesn't make her legs look like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't have to be sexy. It just has to make you so we also got to consider that they already made a female uh, version of the Iron Man suit when, uh, with the pepper one, the blue one. Correct? So they, they had to try to give it a different design that wasn't going to just be a, a blatant ripoff of the Iron Man suit because we already seen what one looks like if it was feminized, right? And so they, they, they had to go for a different design on this one. And if you look at Rhea as a character, you know, she, she seems to be very, like, athletic and stuff. So they had to give it that, like, I'm going to fuck some shit up at the top half of my body. But yeah, I don't know, the late part was like, you know, y'all could have, like, even that out of the Yeah, you, they could have. Uh, you remember the midnight angel suits that the uh, th- that the guards were wearing? Yeah, the, Wait, yeah. Can, yes, they almost felt like verbatim. They took that from the comic book. 
Also, I love, uh, I love that too. Very much giving uh, <laughs> predator energy. It was, it was giving predator energy. But if you look but at it, it just, is it is a direct copy of the comic book uh, version of it. But go ahead. Yeah. No, if I think my issue with the Riri's design is that hers looked a little clunky, and their their Midnight Angel suits looked much more streamlined. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not necessary, but like they look good. I think that. Wait, wait, repeat that. Can I, can I bring up a point on that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The reason the Midnight Angel suits look so good is because uh, uh, Zuri was already working on those way before they even met. Uh, so she had a couple of years already when she was doing this. Don't get no excuses, dog. Don't get so no excuses. Don't, don't give don't give it, don't, don't give no excuses, dog. Don't don't do that. That that excuse don't work. That does that. We are twenty years. We are twenty years into MCU. Riri Ironheart did not make that. Can, uh, Ryan Coogler and his animation team made that suit. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you're breaking up. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Give, give, your, give your microphone a turn. Turn your mic down. Turn your mic down. You, 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 your noise gate is really high. <laughs> your hot Latin blood is blowing up the speakers, Dave. <laughs> he got so much fucking spit on his microphone. It's so hard. <laughs> he's just, he's from his laptop and it's just like, engulfed with saliva right now. So what I'm saying is the time put into those the, 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 the night suits was more uh, more in going into it than really. So we suit got done like, like a couple of days. Right, so yeah, if we're talking about concept art, they could have done better. Yeah, but I'm talking about if we're just looking at this into the story of Wakanda and that time frame they had, it's a miracle with the technology that they got that suit looking as good as they did. No, this this is not like real life concept, this is in story shit. <laughs> There's only two Jose's in this room, and one of them disappointed me really, really, really badly. Just now, <laughs> 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 this, working on that too. She had been working on it because she had it ready to go. Exactly, it was yeah. on a blueprint. And then also on top of that, you mean to tell me that this girl built a sensor, a drill, or what? She said in the midst of weeks. Uh, she, uh, she didn't build the drill, she built the sensor. Huh? Yeah. Two months. She built that machine in two months. Two months. Yeah. You in built that in middle school. And then also on top of that, you're breaking you're you're breaking all these kind of like uh types of codes and stuff like that and resources. You have the the AI system for surety right behind you as well. All of those resources are right there in Wakanda. You mean to tell me you cannot make a streamlined suit based off of just the fitting alone that she's already had from the previous two Iron Man suits there? You mean to tell me that that, yeah. that girl couldn't get at least a jean jacket to be <laughs> I would have rather her fight in her jumpsuit, dog. I'm just saying. I mean, so why didn't see the 
getting the piece of metal out of the torch, spray painting the the colors on her on the on the shirt. Right? Hilarious. She was doing some of the shit by hand. She wasn't using the full technology because when she was integrating both. I'm just saying. Because we already know she likes to do things manually and more intuitive than having all this technology. Can right. also add? Go ahead. Sorry. You, go ahead, uh, Tabby. Go ahead. I, I think that the uh, fight scene on the ship in general was just a little too long. Um, also, my my husband Robert, he he threw something out there that really got me because he was just like, "What? They don't have toasters in Wakanda? They can't drop no electricity in there and just like destabilize the entire army." Um, because they they had the capacity to make those giant uh stereos down there, uh, but they they didn't think to electrify the water. Like I didn't know y'all follow the Geneva Conventions. Um, Damn! I, um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Pause for a second. JT just walked in. I know that he's like, God damn! I know that he's probably thinking something so sick and sadistic right now in his fucking mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. We didn't even bring that up. That like yeah. the speaker there. Yes, it's cool that it had a that that speaker there, and I was like, oh, that's a cool defense. But I didn't even oh, I, I didn't even think about the electric. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Electrify JT. the water. Uh, up, there's a that you can use that would disrupt the whales. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, they showed you what they can do. Adapt. <laughs> did Did you hear Did you hear the statement that uh, Tammy said, uh, JT? Uh oh, Baba. She he's hanging out with friends tonight. His wife and also on top of that, his uh, his friends. We're on the way home. Gotcha. All right. Oh. So JT. One comment that uh, that was brought up was about the, the the ship itself. It had the sound wave, like the thing that kind of deter the telecons to get on the ship. Damn! They didn't have nothing. They didn't have nothing to protect them at all. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about. I, I, you know, I was, I was so uh, off with the movie. I, I ain't gonna say nothing. But listen, I gotta get Jose's opinion on this one. I'm going to skip ahead. My man, Cuckoo Khan, a.k.a. Namor, had came out, gave this whole rundown to Shuri about the whole Telecon city and everything like that. So it felt almost very poetic. It felt almost very, uh, well, fuck that. We gonna, uh, I got I to gotta bring up this part. Did you like the way that they separated Namor from Namor? Do you get what I'm saying when I when I make that point? Yes. How did you feel about that, Jose? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Rodriguez, Rodriguez. I'm sorry, Rodriguez. <laughs> I forgot that there's two of you. <laughs> yeah, I, always, I used to always return to you as candy. Yeah, so that's why I apologize. Uh, um, yeah. So wait, what was said? How they separated Namor from Namor. Uh, so Koko Khan, Kukukan from Namor. Yeah. How, from how, how, OG. Yeah. Comic book. How do you feel about that? I think that the uh, the the backstory, the feather serpent god. No, I think that they did a really good job. I think that they added depth. If I'm being honest. 
to to the character because you know Namor. I I hadn't really read a lot about him, but you know I've just looked him up a little bit before I went to go see the movie because I'm like, all right, what should I expect? What is this guy's background? But when you have this like Mesoamerican like Mayan, you know, background to it. I think it just adds so much more depth to the story. I think it brought in a lot more, um, you know, a lot more interest than what would have been if it was just named more from the comic. Um, you know, no offense to, you know, those comics, the original source material, but I think that it did really make him into something that, like, Jose and Jose, you know, see ourselves in. Um, I mean, immediately, she got me this little pop, the uh, Funko Pop, because I was like, man, Namor is that guy. I can't stop talking about him. I see myself in him. I don't care if he's a bad guy. I'll be a bad guy if that means I'm closer to Namor. Um, <laughs> but no, so I, so I, what was that? Well, I'm going to say, coming in on that, on that point you just made about like seeing yourself, I... I've never seen, like, I've never felt like somebody like, oh, I really need a representation in a sense, right? I've never had that connection with anything. But when I saw that name was going to be my end and, and stuff, and I was like, oh, like, it caught my interest, right? But it wasn't until I watched the movie that I was like, holy shit, I understand what they mean now about being represented in a film, right? Like, I've, I've never said that until this movie. Can, I'm going to chime in on that real fast. Yeah. I felt, yeah. uh, and I'm going to ask you, Tammy, in the same same sense uh, as well. Who did you see yourself be represented by in the, in the film? Uh, throughout the film, I I also very much identify with Namor, but uh, I I also appreciate how they separated him from the original Namor, who. Uh, is based off of Plato's, um, uh, ref- sorry, Plato's explanation of uh, Atlantis and and the Greek Roman uh, god and city and all of that. Uh, the uh, one of the slavers calls no more uh, El Niño Sin Amor, and so then he takes the N from sin and uh, places it with Amor to mean. No love, no love for the surface world. And in the comics, no more is just Roman backwards. And so it gives it so much more meaning and depth. And it, right? You see what I'm saying? And so they, they gave him this depth and they were able to separate him from that character and make him not only the first mutant to be introduced into the, the MCU outside correction. of Deadpool. Correct, correction. Oh. Outside of Miss Marvel. Oh. Miss Marvel. Was outside of Miss Marvel, excuse me, I have not seen Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel was introduced Marvel? as a uh, as a mutant. Oh man. Okay. So thank you for for correcting me. Um, yes. So in the in the movies, yes. this is our introduction <laughs> to mutants uh, and how they can occur. Um, and I, I love that they they chose to go that direction and to also uh, give him this background where he has a firsthand experience of the, uh, not just the Spanish Inquisition, because that was actually what drove his mother into the ocean, uh, but also slavery, like in general. 
Um, and it gives him this grief. He grieves his, his motherland. He grieves uh, his, the loss of his mother. And what he chooses to do with that grief is to be productive about it. Uh, it's just he did it in a in a way that could be deemed as destructive. But when you're fighting against a systemic evil, it's going to be called, you know, evil by the dominant socioeconomic ethnic group. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so I, I identify with his cause because I, too, want to protect my people. I, w- I want to preserve history. I want to preserve uh, and, and reveal my history in a way that helps others. Uh, but he chooses to to keep that secret, you know, and he feels that he's doing the right thing. And it's not necessarily malicious until it has to be until he feels like he has no other choice. And as God of war, you know, teaches you, there really is no real winning side to war. Um, And I don't know if you guys have played the newest game, but they, they teach a very beautiful lesson on uh, restorative justice. Don't fuck with Thor. That's what that lesson is. (laughs) Thor will fuck your ass. (laughs) Thor will will hit you so hard that you're going to Thor hit Kratos so fucking hard he hit him to a loaded screen, dog. And then they had a fucking oh they had a fucking tip on how to play the game. And then he said, No, oh I'm not God. done with you. I'll say what I'm done with you. And then he, he <laughs> He killed Kratos. He killed him, and he said, and he resuscitates him with his fucking Mjolnir hammer. Yes, God of War. Uh, God of War teaches you not to fuck with Thor. That's the Thor we need at MCU. <laughs> Thor again, he doesn't approach him with like, violent intent. He's just like, hey, you put some respect in my mouth last time. I'm just trying to explain what had happened before you start whooping my ass. <laughs> 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 he does it anyways. Oh my god. Kratos hit him one time like at the end. It took it took Kratos 20 minutes to knock a fucking tooth out of, uh, out of Thor. Thor hit this man 10 times in the midst of 5 minutes and killed him. And then you get whooped for another 10 minutes after that. <laughs> Alright, let's go back to the fucking movie though. So, they we, are, we need to do like a whole episode talking about the God of War series because no. I got I got feelings. <laughs> so Namor, <laughs> Namor uh, and Shooty. I got feelings about that mug too. I, I talk so much mess. So in my in my D and D chat, I tell you what, these people was going back and forth about some God of War. One of the girls was like, "This mug is whack." She was like, "It ain't violent and stuff." They're like, "What do you mean it's violent? Like you can." You can, you know, you can assassinate somebody like there's two different assassinations with every character. And she was like, nah, this ain't no giant toppling nonsense. And I was like, but, but the thing that got me was the pause screen. I looked at God of War pause screen and I was like, there's nothing about this say God of War. Mm-hmm. This looks like regular Japanese video game number 3097 for the year. Yeah, I, I definitely, <laughs> def- you know, theme music, we had a motif and shit yeah. on the pause Oh, no, no, it's okay, man. So, uh, uh, Jose, I didn't get you to answer my second question. 
It felt uh, Rod- Rodriguez, Jose Rodriguez. It, for now on, it's Candy Jose. So, uh, Jose. So, my question for you is this: There was a lot of like. It felt almost like romantic size between Shirty and Namor. And mm. I'm not going to lie to you. When I first watched it, I thought the proposition was going to be to marry him. It would never it would, to join their uh, their families. Yeah, in in it, yeah, which would have made sense because of the fact that technically the, the 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 dynamic of power at the time it would have made sense, right? Um, he gave her a bracelet from his mom and everything. Which, by the way, I, that's just scream out red flag like a motherfucker, bro. I, know, like, I said ooh, he gave her jewelry on the first day, dog. I ain't gonna lie, man. Like. <laughs> I, I, don't get me, I, would, I would feel good, but at the same time, I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We put these shackles on me too early, son. So, so, so it felt, it felt so romanticized. The, the, the shirty and, um, Namor uh, relationship in the comic books, though, they basically was like going pound for pound for killing each other in the comic right. books. Uh, in the graphic novel, uh, the only reason why Shirty um, met up with Namor is because of the fact of T'Challa being in a coma at the time and he was near death. So for them to have this scene where he gives her like this gown, that's a ceremonial gown, and then also to the bracelet and stuff like that. What do you feel like after watching the whole movie? What was his true intention? What was his um, his goal at the final end game? No pun intended for that meeting between <laughs> them two. <laughs> no, I I think uh, you know it's funny that point up because uh, my fiance was telling me the same thing. She's like, oh, you know, I thought they were gonna like, I thought he gonna propose i thought he was i thought there was some tension but some sexual tension between them i was like see ya but like i never thought it would go that way you know i i i feel like me and namor like we're just connected we're like we got this brotherhood because i'm like okay i see what the plan is um but you know i think that his really his intent was just like to uh you know to show that he can be, he can be caring. He can be loving to people who don't cross. You know, he had this like type of mentality where, you know, I'll be nice to you if you help give me what I um is what I got from it. But I mean, and and the thing that I like about Namor is the thing that I liked about Killmonger, and the thing that I like about Black Panther as a whole is like these villains, like you know, black and white, like there's so much complexity to them and there's so much that you can agree with. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, honestly, like, okay, Killmonger came back, spoiler alert, right? We see him in the, uh, ancestral plane. And I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Shuri if she listened to Killmonger and what he wanted to do, because a lot of it makes sense in Namor's case and Killmonger's case. Um, and I think that he was just trying to play the role that he needed to, to ensure that his people were safe, um, and ultimately, obviously, Sherry uh, didn't really necessarily agree with uh, his methods. But I think at the at the end of the day, they want the same thing that the Wakandans want, which is to preserve their people, which is to preserve their 
resources um, from from imperialism and colonialism and um, it felt almost hip- like a hypocrisy. I'm sorry, I apologize. It almost felt like a they were being yeah, hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. They were being like really huge hypocrites to it because Ramona yeah. just came from the UN saying that you're not going to get my resources, and I get right. I get where the extreme came from, where we're not going to kill this girl, but um, I mean, and that was one of the things that we brought up in the podcast yesterday was that um, in part one is that T'Chaka would have just fed that girl just to Namor just to preserve yeah. the, the city T'Challa right. T'Challa pre-Killmonger and notice I said that pre-Killmonger right. would have fed that girl to Namor T'Challa after Killmonger would have probably preserved her and probably would have went to war over her and mm. I think that that's the, the love that Shirdi had and I think that's also contributed to the vision that she had with Killmonger. Um, the one thing that um, I told, because uh, we kind of had a debate about the um, uh, the synthetic heart shaped herb, is the fact of like I think that the herb that she made gave her a different experience and more power than the original organic item when and i think that that you've seen the callback when you look at her kick the actual suit the same way that uh t'challa kicked the suit in the first movie you seen that suit almost went through that wall with shirty whereas the other one kind of just had a float to it like he kicked it and it just floated to the ground right and so um it almost was a sign that she was more powerful for him than him. But I think that also because of the fact that it's a synthetic herb, it also made it like they were able to be more connected to the ancestral plane. Uh, so I think that that's why we seen Ramonda in the second part while she was fighting Namor is the show him who you are part. I think that that was a, that was Ramona talking to her from the ancestral. And I, I don't want to sound like going back into what we were saying about anime. It sounded like she was, tapping into her ultra instinct, I guess you would say. But that's what it felt like. And that's what it seemed like. It just seemed like that scene was just too random to not just be, oh, somebody is telling her and giving her that instinct that that mentorship that she needed at that point in time. So um, now going into that, the heart-shaped herb. Candy, as a person who 3D prints shit all the time, how do you feel about the the synthetic heart-shaped herb? That's the question. Don't let my husband hear you, because he'll run in here and tell you everything he knows. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we, we, we'll double down on that. Cool. We'll double down on that. Cool. All right. Okay, I can tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you. Wait, wait, repeat that. I didn't hear what to say. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I enjoyed that aspect, right? Because th- there's a lot of technology going in right now to 3D printing organs, 3D printing organic materials, and it, it's not it's, to me in my mind that was the way I would go to try to make this herb, right? Like I've been looking at research on how to uh, 3D print stuff. We at my work, we literally. Uh, we should, we do this uh, this uh, series called Science on Screen, where we'll pick a movie and then we'll base something. Uh, we'll 
contact some sort of professional in that area to come and do a little presentation on whatever that movie might be based off, right? So for we did a movie for the tough element. And uh, we got somebody who's in the field uh, who knows about 3D printing organs and if it's plausible or if that's something that's even could be done. And, you know, there, there's a lot of technology going in where you could 3D print organs now. Don't get me wrong, the movie, they printed that shit out quick. They're like quick, fast, and in a hurry, which as of right now, when you kind of 3D printing world, that's just not possible. You can't print it out that fast. But again, it's fantasy, whatever. But it's not that the technology isn't there. It is. There's a lot. I think uh, they just 3D. So they 3D printed a heart that's functional, but it's a small heart. You know? So I I like the way they went with that when they were able to go in and add this technology into it where they were able to get something that was uh, feasible. And with the amount of technology that Wakanda has and the, the... intelligence that city has i i can't see that not being plausible in a way to get it done you know what i'm saying yeah and yeah you know just with the, the, the part that i found a little weird was the planting of the plant and having it grow again but again like, that's like, yeah she because uh you you can at this point really do something like that where it would you know be regenerated and you know and, Question, Candyman. Question for you. Is that not just Iron Man 2 all over again? Congratulations. You have made a new element. No, that's exactly what that was. Again, it is, it is. But as we were talking about earlier, these are nods to Tony Stark, right? These these are just little nods to him because of the whole Riri situation being in this film. And yeah, that's exactly what he said. That's why my mind went, this is just... Uh, series way of making that new element where I just had Tony found out this is the missing piece when he got the the that whole like town thing or whatever that his dad made right it, it, it's that's that but uh, just the way they went about it her building that new elements uh, regrowing the 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 plant um. That I can see that all being plausible, you know, as long as she has she has the intelligence and the technology to do it. So why wouldn't she be able to? And uh, like the only thing I was questioning was the whole planting and regrowing of it. Because how you can pardon me, well, that's the word I was looking for. I thought if she had, if she could print the earth, why would she not give it to everybody? Right. I think it's a. Everybody, Black Panther, now we are Wakanda. Wakanda forever, motherfucker. That's the purpose of the movie. They need to regulate their resources because how easily it falls into the wrong hands. And it's kind of like showing. Oh, we learned our lesson from Killmonger. You know, we it, not not all folk are folk, and exactly. All skin folk are kin. Right, but the name of the movie was fucking Wakanda forever, and what they did not do in that movie was show us that togetherness. Because I tell you what, all of us, you know, one awful one and one for all, we are all for this country. This country is us. We live and breathe and bleed this country. You will not take your ability and do anything besides build up your country. 
And if they pass that shit out with everybody with that mindset, they fuck everybody up. So and we also got number two. Well, Kong is very traditional. Everything has to do with tradition and family and all that stuff. And that <laughs> old- the U.S. government is talking about destabilizing Wakanda. Like in the movie, they were like, what are we going to do with Wakanda going forward? They're like, we're going to destabilize them. And my my husband, who is white, says, tale as old as time. And we're, we've had <laughs> discussions about if Africa hadn't been repeatedly destabilized by the Dutch, by the French, by the Portuguese, imagine what their military force would look like now. And we have people, we have government officials from Ghana who are saying, you know, if we were able to, we would have fought to bring slaves back. And then you remember Madame Tanubu, who went to war with the Europeans to bring slaves back. Uh, and, and I think that's what the movie is trying to emphasize is that, you know, that you can't just be deserving. You have to be worthy. Uh, exactly. Whoa. They've never been worthy. Well, quick, that's kind of the thought that I got from it was that like um, not everybody was able to take the actual heart shape herb. And I think that that's why they had to synth- they had to get it synthesized for it. Uh, and I'm going to do it. a kind of ritual when you take it, right? It's just you're technically killing yourself in order to awaken the power within you. That's why when they take it, they go into a conscious state and they see their ancestors. It's because they're technically killing themselves in order to awaken the plant's power. And so you can't give it to everybody because everybody's going to be able to handle it. You're going to so you basically right? call it Black Panther the fuck a cat from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> you realize that, right? <laughs> it's also worth mentioning. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Kill themselves to see what they can see in heaven, and then they come back with them to bring shit. It's that. That's flatliners. Flatliners. Um, go ahead, Tammy. What you were saying, Rafaz? <laughs> Oh, it's also worth mentioning in the uh, comics that Wakanda actually opens their borders at one point to Black Americans that want to migrate there. And then uh, Black Americans are captured and turned into bioweapons to use against Wakanda. So then T'Challa's first response is kick everybody out. And then, you know, people come along to talk to him and show him like, hey, man, you know, just because it's happening doesn't mean, you know, that it should disparage you from giving people a better life and blah, blah, blah. And he uh, he then comes up with a cure for the bioweapon. And, and all it took was like X amount of effort, but he still like kept the borders closed after taking X amount of people in. And I, I thought that that was important to mention as well. Well, here's one part too. The synthetic herb also was created in the comic books by Killmonger. I thought that was a nod to that as well, is the fact of what Killmonger had uh, initially created. Now, you saw him, Because that's their homage to Killmonger creating that herb. Wait, what'd you say? I said that's why she sees him in her, one of the reasons she sees him in her, in her vision is because, you know, giving him a homage, but also showing what your mindset was at that time, you know, just losing T'Challa, just losing her mind. Yeah. And like, just seeing her, her reaction after she lost T'Challa, she wanted to burn the world down. Right? And that's what and that's what he fucking said. I forgot about that. Yeah, he did say that. He wanted to burn the fucking world down. He wanted to burn it all. Um, so 
Now, here's a question too. Uh, Jose, since you said that you see yourself at Namor, Namor ultimately goes in uh, b- before we go through all of this. He fights um, Shirley. They find out how to kill, uh, to like fight him off, and that's by dehydrating him. Basically, uh, what do you do to a fish? You take away the water, right? Uh, <laughs> fucking no pun. In- uh, damn, that is so bad. That happened. Um, he's a fish out of water. He's a fish <laughs> out of water. That's what they made him—a fish out of water. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask two questions. I'm going to ask this question. Actually, I'm going to switch this up. The design of the the uh, the to- talukans, they come out of water. They're blue, and that's because of the fact that they lack oxygen, right? And that's the reason why they turn blue. But then they come uh, go back into the water, and they're norm they're their normal complexion. Am, am I the only one that felt like that was fucking dope? That was dope. He yeah. could have kept them blue. And the reason why you couldn't see them in the water is because they was obviously fucking blue, right? You could have said that, right? But they, the representation in that aspect of it. Um, Jose, how do you feel Ryan Coogler does when it comes to capitalizing on moments like that? Is basically seeing different cultures for who they are. Um, Winston Duke is the reason why we got the 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 chant Yabambe. Um uh when they do uh first side, that that part uh, when the, the great apes come in, they that's all Winston Duke and that's all uh Lapita Nyango that comes out and says those type of things. Um a lot of the culture came comes into it. And then also the actor who has the chip inside of his mouth. That's a real act, that's a real person. That's a real life person. He has that real chip in his mouth. Uh but then the idea of the the clamshell, uh, I'm sorry, the oyster shell, that came from the actual actors themselves and a lot of the cast. Um uh the name uh the name Namor, that all came from the cast. How do you feel Ryan Coogler does when it comes to capitalizing on I not capitalizing, I should say that. Um exposing, I guess you would say, that culture to the screen. How do you feel he does? I think honestly, like I think he knocked it out of the ballpark with this one. I you know, I'll be the first to admit that Wakanda Forever, if if I just were to see this movie without the context of, you know, Chadwick Boseman actually passing away, you know, and all this other stuff, I, I would say it's a good movie, not like an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. But the thing that does make it amazing is all of the cultural rich that comes into the into play, right? So you mentioned the the oyster, right? The clamshell thing, um, and it it you know it did come from the cast, but it also is like you know embedded in in Mayan culture. It's embedded in Aztec culture, you know, meaning strength, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was super cool at first. I was like, what is that? Because I didn't even know, and I almost felt like I went into not see a movie, but to see like a history lesson of like where I come. From. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and you know, back to very early on in this conversation, right? Like, let's let's turn movies into you know 
historical references for our youth. Like we could yeah. show this in school, we could show this in classrooms, and we could say, "Hey, this is all like real or accurate, you know, depictions that that created this film, that created this like world of fantasy, but it's all rooted in in real historical fact." So I thought that was amazing. Um, I am glad that they were back into, you know, brown skin folks under the water because it was getting a little too avatar for me. Um, fair, fair. At first, at first I was like, right. I was like, okay, they, they got it. Something. You no, know, it just looked too much like the, uh, what are they called in, in avatar? Navis. The Navis. The Navis. Yeah. Which not be supposed to be indigenous people. That's what makes it worse. (laughs) Right. And well, they also have a white guy who has dreads. So don't get me started on that. Because I'm like, you're supposed to be indigenous people. You got a white guy who dreaded his hair when he became one of them. And I don't know. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast, right? But that's a discussion I wanna be in on. I got feelings. No, but in, I, in the next in the again, next, I, I say what like, I said month. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'm glad that he because uh, to have name, and I keep saying Namor, saying Namor because that's like how he said it. Namor just sounds easier to say. I don't know, but uh, you know, just to have him right there as representation of not just like you know Latina folks, but like indigenous latina folks was dope and then to have everyone else come in and not just stay blue the whole movie but actually show like okay it's people like us um i thought that was dope and i didn't even know about the guy with the with the disc i didn't know until you said that right now that that was actually like all him yeah that's really so that's him. pretty cool too that's really yeah. him i love it now i have a different question for you uh, it's still kind of the same thing uh, about representation. When me and uh, in part one, uh, I stated to uh, Jamel and JT that Ryan Coogler is amazing at making bread, but very terrible at making a sandwich. <laughs> I love the chuckle, man. The chuckle when I say that. Fuck. Um, so, so I think that he's really good at making the beginning and the the end what holds the, the pieces together, but I really felt like it falls apart ultimately because the fact that we kind of look at Black Panther and you can't help but think about Lion King. Uh, you look at uh, Creed and you can't help but think about the first Rocky or Rocky 2, right? Um, it feels like we get a replica of a lot of things and it doesn't feel like it actually hits every single time it's supposed to. So we look at this movie and Angela Bassett, bravo to the queen. She did an amazing job. She did a great job. Letty did a, uh, Letitia did an amazing job by upgrading her character and her acting in this. But ultimately, it felt like a lot of the stuff you kind of don't really care. It really just was like, Oh fuck funeral and fight. That's all I really needed to know. And then we good. 
um, a lot of people probably went to go see this movie just to find out who's going to be taking over this new role, right? And the one thing that I'm going to say is that do y'all even remember Everett Ross being in this movie? Look, he Candy looked over <laughs> for a second. And maybe that's intentional. That's the hell, guys. Because I have the cast list here because I'm horrible at names. So I don't want to, like, I want to look at them there. <laughs> not talking about because, again, I'm horrible at names. No, I, I entirely agree with you because uh, there are movies that uh, Ryan Coogler has made like Fruitvale Station, which was the uh, a mini biography of a man named Oscar Grant who was killed by the police. Yes. And it's again, it's drawing from another source to make something fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel that uh, in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, there are a lot of characters like Nomura, the uh, the right hand to Nomura. That's his cousin. And I, when he calls her my child, when, you know, like they didn't give her enough context or really explain who she is. Uh, and I feel that that happens a lot. I did appreciate that uh, Aoe got uh, her redemption arc, you know, to show that she is competent and she doesn't need the title of general yes. to be the person that she is. Yes. Uh, it just feels short, you know, in yeah. the places that matter. Yes. Um, and one of the things that we also talked about, and this is going to um, Candy, is they liked the scenes where they didn't capitalize on AOE being lesbian. She's with with somebody. So, oh, uh, sorry, sorry, it's, it's someone else. Anaka, I think, or Ao, you know, yes. I'm talking about. She's with uh, Anaka. Yeah, Anaka. Yeah. And so, um, it's it's uh, it feels like if we're going to do this lesbian thing, if we're going to have this LGBTQ representation, sometimes it feels like it falls short. That's in any, any form of media. And so it feels like yeah. it falls short. Um, so that's a question for you is, have you been seeing that with these independent films that you've been showing lately? Uh, Candy. Um, when it comes to the LGBT things, um, in the independent movie realm, there's a lot of them that just focus on that, right? They're not making movies that have it like in the background as a side thing. A lot of them, if they're being made, is specifically for that. You know, it's to represent the LGBTQ community in some way or form. And, you know, um, in this movie specifically, I, uh, I know that there were... Uh, just from the comics and stuff, I knew that there were a couple already. Uh, but I, I enjoyed that they made it a, as a background thing with them and not just something that it, it didn't feel like they were trying to push it on you. Mm -hmm. They were just showing you that there was something there up until the last moment when you actually see them in, in the house. Right? Yeah. And yeah. That, that I enjoyed that aspect of it because it's because if you would have just put it out front, made it something big, everybody who's talking shit about this movie, that was one thing they would have pointed out right away. Going like, oh, why does I have to throw this in my face? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. It always has to be something about gays and the media, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it, and it isn't, it's not, not, that's not what the story is. That love is there. 
but it didn't need to be predominating your face for it to to blossom. Mm-hmm. And adding to that as a queer person, you know, no, when people but- talk about me, I I don't expect them to say, oh, Tammy's pansexual and that be the entire conversation. I'm a lot of things, you know, uh, I, I'm a. I'm a survivor of a hate crime. I'm an activist. I'm an artist. I have a multifaceted life and none of that centers around my identity as a queer person. It's just something, it's not the centerpiece at the table. It's the fork. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the side uh, I, I, um, I feel the same way. Um, it's funny. I had a conversation about this exact thing earlier today when running for my campaign for school board, I wasn't like, oh yeah, queer, so vote for me. You know, I'm like, I'm a lot of different things and that's just part of my identity, but that's that's not the part I wanted to focus on during my campaign. I wanted to focus on, hey, I have all this educational knowledge to, you know, to strengthen our public schools. This is what matters. And I just happen, you know, be part of this community, right? So I. You know, and I can see why there would be issues or there would be an argument to make for both sides. Like, like, oh, why didn't they showcase it more? Like, did they just want to put it in there to put it in there and say, oh, well, we had this representation that lasted, you know, three seconds in the movie. But I think I I do think that it, you know, it, it was done well because, okay, it exists in that universe in this, you know, in this world that that they created. But also, it's so commonplace that we're not going to spend so much time on it because it's it's just something that exists. Damn, that's a saying? good way to put it. That's a good way to put exactly. it. When, when she's like, when her wife is just vaguely bullying her, and she's just like, "I told you not to bring them. I knew you." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Win." <laughs> but then that is I'm a good point about that. For the rest of the week. But there was a movie that recently came out. I can't remember the what it was, but they they do uh, something like that similarly, but they did it bad, right? It, it felt forced. I forgot exactly what movie, but there's a gay couple within the movie that isn't really talked about. They try to do the whole background thing, but at the end of the movie, they do a kissing scene where they really focus heavily on that kissing scene. Even though throughout the whole movie they didn't really, you know, give you something that crazy, but and everybody started just destroying it, going, "Oh, why they always got to throw this and that?" I want to say it's one of the Star Wars movies where there's a kissing scene at the very end with two of the the true the uh, soldiers or troopers, and all the Star Wars fans started freaking out about it, going, "Why are you always trying to put this bullshit on here?" All the blah blah blah, and. It's it's that thing where like being gay, being in this community isn't something that you need to showcase for everybody. You know, this is just people being living their lives. So why does it have to be a centerpiece? Yeah, it's just part of whatever we got going. You know, fair. I definitely interesting about homophobes is that they're more concerned about sex than we are. You know, they're just like, like they're doing things we don't like, and it's like you don't know when. You don't know how. <laughs> I just, and maybe that's what makes you mad. <laughs> I think that like when it comes to me though, like um I love 
I kind of started to fall in love with the show called P Valley. And one of the things that's been argued about is the fact that they got these gay sex scenes in it. And I'm like, no, let's, if we're going to do this, if you're going to show me girls popping their pussy on on screen, you know what I mean? Then fuck, let's go with it with a gay scene with the two dudes, right? So I feel like if you're going to have these scenes where Tony Stark is talking about having a baby and kids with it, then America America Chavez family should have been emphasized on about her parents having kids and then making America be a thing. So I feel like there should be some... um, fair equal balance or check and balances when it comes to that so well, uh, that, that does that pretty well check out a uh, sex education sex education that does such a great show yeah it, it does a great job on that one so that's always just been my thing is the fact checks and balances as a person who identify as well as pansexual it's just kind of been like yeah, let's 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 double down on it and like let's double down on the nuance of it cuz like I grew up uh and I think that there's never going to be a story like mine's uh being told because in media it usually is like you either you are or you aren't and you always kind of already knew that you were. And so whereas me, I grew up and I had a parent who was uh homophobic and I had to deny myself a lot and in that way but also i grew up thinking that like i gotta be like this kind of person and the closest character i would say that i can identify with almost is like uh from moonlight you know what i mean and so it's a lot of like yeah i wanted to experiment with these things i knew that i wanted to be uh i could access these things but i just never did fully because of the fact of like I was scared of what the interpretation would be. You get what I'm saying? And um, I didn't go crying into my secret lover at the fucking very end. Hey, you know, <laughs> but that's a bad joke about that movie. Moonlight is a great yeah. movie, but I do think that that was fucking awkward that he was fucking crying with that dude. Crying with that dude. Right. <laughs> but that movie's amazing, man. I remember it, when we showed that word. I, really, I really, really want to watch that. I really want to watch that. I review that one as well. But um, I felt like if you're going to take that much tender love and care for like representing black and brown culture, it should have been also represented in this film. Checks and balances on that one. I get that. Like there's the, the idealism of the more common places. The famous is white LGBTQ is more commonplace, but like shows like Pose show that you can have this and have black and brown people and have some nuance to LGBTQ stuff and not have to worry about it being after a while watching Pose you forget that Blanca is just not a girl right you forget that uh, the house of Angelisa is filled with people who are considered non-binary and gay and so on and so forth so you forget you just realize that those are just normal people and they just kind of identify as who they are so do the same thing. That's the true way of basically normalizing it. I feel like is having, hey, I'm in this. Buzz Lightyear did, almost did a great job at that, man. Uh, have you seen Lightyear, the movie? And I've so, heard of it. Uh, yeah, uh, Lightyear almost did a great job with it. They showed that she had her wife and they'll show pictures of her holding hands, having pictures with their kid and everything like that. And they normalized it. Like you're not looking for the male person inside of it. It's just 
we're in a relationship that's kind of, and you kind of had that with America Chavez and uh in Multiverse of Madness uh aka yeah. uh mom uh Dr. Strange mom um but with that um it didn't kind of go double down on it. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. Um, we've been talking for a while. I apologize. I had y'all over for a long time. So uh, let's just do this rating real fast. And then uh, I'll let y'all go uh, real fast. Cause I know we can talk about this movie for a little bit longer, but I'm not going to hold y'all back on this. So usually we rate uh, movies based off of five things. Uh, winner is obviously a winner that is usually in, the, in theory, that's a five star, right? Uh, four star would be uh, Edger. Uh, right dead in the middle would be a slumper. That's the movie that you you feel like, oh God, uh, I might can make it. I, I might can, if, if you know what, I might can make it. And then you have Sleeper and then you have Dumpster. Uh, Dumpster obviously being one that's being the worst fucking movie possible out there. We need to just light that bitch ablaze. So with that, uh, I'm going to start from <laughs> right all the way down. Uh, we agreed, uh, Jamel, JT and I, we all agreed that this was movie was an edger kind of like what, uh, what Jose said that it's a good movie. Uh, I feel like you definitely miss a lot of the meat in it and you got a lot of amazing looking cake on this. That's what you got. Um, I feel like the, the meat and potatoes really was the funeral and surety becoming black Panther. Everything else was kind of like, well, it don't fucking matter. And so, uh, especially for a movie that's called Wakanda forever. And you only spent maybe 30 minutes in Wakanda for a two hour movie. You know what I mean? So with that, my rating was edger candy. What say you, sir? I was actually going for Edger as well. Um, that definitely comes down to like a couple things, like how I said with the Rainy storyline. She was in there, but she didn't really need to be in the one who changed much. Um, yeah, that for too long, kind of deal. Um, then, uh, what's his face? The Asian guy also, about being, you know. You're breaking up a little bit, sir. A little bit, sir. Oh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it, uh, especially with the whole uh, uh, mind aspect of it that they brought in. I'll definitely give it an edge. Okay, gotcha. Miss um, Tammy, what would you give this movie? Uh, I would definitely rate this an edger as well. Um, I think that for a movie that centers around the theme of grief, this movie had a lot of comedy. Um, and it also left a lot of room for the individual as a viewer to be uh, in a lighthearted state. It wasn't all about the, the the grief and and the sadness. It was also watching these characters process their grief and, and progress, um, becoming, uh, you know, adjusted to a world without T'Challa and also addressing that the audience is also grieving T'Challa. Yes. Um, I feel that again, you know, some scenes that could have had uh, a little more to it, uh, a little more character development, or at least kind of like an explanation as to why figures are there. I still don't know the name of the guy that beat the crap out of Aole. 
Like I, I don't know his name. <laughs> um, and it didn't but, feel like they, they 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 did any justice by that. So yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish what you were saying. Yeah, and they yeah they didn't really do it justice or show why it was so important that she gets that that second chance to beat him. Like they they did the hero's journey without really showing it. Um, I hope that we get more opportunities in the future to further explore Wakanda because I really did enjoy getting to see Wakanda on the ground before they got, you know, decimated. Um, And I would love to see more African influences. If they're going to explore queerness in Africa, I would love to see Chabato people uh, in the film. Uh, But that's just me. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jose. What say you, sir? What would you rate this? I, I would also say it's Edger. Okay. Um, I'm sticking with my original thoughts just because, you know, I think while it was a great movie that, that, that did right by a lot of different cultures and honestly, the, the relationship between um, Black and Latina people um, and, and the fight for liberation, I think that was a huge message, message that I took um, away from it. But at the same time, it spread itself a little too thin. I mean, you know, you, you like you said, it was, uh, what's, his, what's his name? What's that character's name? The white guy? Oh, Evers Ross. Yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah, his... right. Like, like him and, uh, you know, Elaine Seinfeld, like, they, like, was there, you know, was it really not? to have them in, in the movie yeah. like, I understand their characters in the in the universe but like they didn't add anything to it they didn't take me you on know, they didn't really from it either but you know you could have done without them Riri you know I, I love her character I don't know if maybe this was not the the movie to introduce her in or maybe they could have done it in a different way mm-hmm. I mean she's gonna have her own show right on you know not every character like She-Hulk wasn't in anything for She-Hulk mm-hmm. they just made her show right um so i think it was a little spread a little too thin um because it was almost three hours long and it did not feel like a three hour long movie when i think about like all the content that was you know that's in my brain yes at the end of it all yes um, right. so yes i think edger i think they could have compacted it just like like you said the meat meat and potatoes wasn't there and it could have been a little better yes i uh I do have a fucking burning question and I'm going to, I think maybe I'm going to hold off on it, but I will say this. Um, one of the parts of the meat and potatoes that they definitely missed. And I thought that they were going to go that route. I thought that fucking Namor was going to take fucking Namor ass out. I thought that Namor was going to be the actual villain that goes against Shirty from right. now on. And which would have right. been poetic. Because you had these two men who were supposed to go at it, but now you have this woman who beat this man. And now I think that would have made Nemora a bigger threat if she would have been able to take out this guy. Because I thought that that was what they're going to build up to because she's the one that took out the ship and everything like that. It almost showed that she had a better drive and she was actually stronger than Nemora uh, in, in a lot of ways. But with that, um, it's a, it's definitely edges. So according to uh as it stands uh six people this movie is a fucking edger so please let's accept this okay <laughs> as, it, as yeah. it is it's a four out of five star movie um with that um candy where can people find you man 
sleep it in my bed. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I got a TikTok, I got an Instagram, but I mainly post memes and printing videos. That's about it. Okay. And then, uh, Tammy, I know you got the burning uh, question. Find- go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you can find me on TikTok at the Teensy Your Son, uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Teensy Your Son. Okay. Uh, that's kind of my handle for everything. Uh, you can find me there, and uh, I mostly post um, political stuff, uh, like hot takes, and uh, I do also post my art. Okay, and then uh, Mr. Mr. Jose, where can people find you, buddy? Um, and Instagram. I'm trying to school board meeting. Um, every uh, every other Tuesday at the right. I actually have to get um, what's it called? Uh, the, put the hand up and sworn in, right? Yes. I'm getting sworn in in January. After January, catch school board meeting. Um, Instagram, Jr. Just uh, catch me at city commission meetings, letting people know what's up on every other Tuesday night. Right? Um, yeah, catch me out any place that you know at your local elected official. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Peace.